Hello, friends. Welcome to the dimension of our midnight cake. I'm Soltis. Before we begin, I have an apology I need to make. I can account for great many variables within the nexus of realities, but it seems like I cannot account for time zones and the differences <laughs> from one to another. So because of my mistake, Lumberdor and Beaches are unable to join us for this transmission. Fortunately, Doug was able to join, as well as a good friend of mine, Crispy. Now for this transmission, we're going to be discussing the legend of Vox Machina, which is an American adult animated fantasy streaming television series produced by Critical Role Productions, Titmouse Inc., and Amazon Studios, which premiered on Amazon Prime Video January 28th, 2022. It's based on campaign one of the Dungeons and Dragons web series, Critical Role. The series stars Laura Bailey, Taliesin Jaffe, Ashley Johnson, Matthew Mercer, Liam O'Brien, Marisha Ray, Sam Regal, and Travis Willingham reprising the roles from Critical Role's first campaign. This series is set in Exandria, which is a fictional world created by Matthew Mercer in 2012 for his personal Dungeons and Dragons campaign, which then launched as the actual play web series Critical Role in 2015. Most of the story takes place on the continent of Taldore in locations such as the metropolis of Amon and the city-state of Whitestone. The first two episodes of the series are an all-new story about the members of Vox Machina before Critical Role's first RPG show. Apparently, the series will then adapt the Briarwood arc from the original web series, where the Vox Machina crew avenge the murder of the rulers of the town of Whitestone. As usual, there will be spoilers in our discussion. If you happen to enjoy our discussions and would like to contribute or get in contact with us, consider visiting our website at ourmidnightcake.com. Yeah, so I think my first impression when I was watching this was that there was a lot of vomiting. <laughs> there was a lot of vomiting. <laughs> Within five minutes... Like so much cursing and then vomiting, even vomiting into someone's mouth and then, and then vomiting it back out. I was like, what's with all the vomit five minutes into this? <laughs> it was a, quite an introduction. It got my attention, but I was like, what am I watching? Crispy, you're, you're telling me about how with the Briarwoods, this is actually like 30 or so episodes into their first campaign. Yeah. It's one story arc after everyone's already been established. It seems like they've cut out a lot of the original, well, not cut out, but they've condensed. And so you're picking up where all these characters have already gotten to know each other. There's already already like a familiar relationship amongst all of them. One of the things that's really fun about Critical Role when it comes to their groups, and this is why I think they went with the dragon to start off with, is and this is with every D&D group, the group you have a, you know, a bunch of people who all want to do something different, right? They all want to do their own thing. They all want to do this super badass double backwards flip fireball, you know, whatever. And they eventually have to come together and realize they got to work together as a group. Right. And so mm -hmm. that's what they were portraying with this dragon, I think is, is the symbolism of the group actually coming together to succeed and do something and, and become an actual group rather than just a bunch of 
ragtag alcoholics. <laughs> well, and they, they do play a lot with D and D tropes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like Scanlan the Bard. <laughs> yes, yes, is he's bard sexual. Yes, that's it. <laughs> he's bard sexual. Uh, so, uh, Doug, it has to do with mechanics of the game. So, bards. Not to get too nerdy or too deep. This is where the tropes come from, though. Bards use charisma as their st- their their main <laughs> statistic, and they have all these abilities that modify that higher and higher and higher to the point where bards have roles where statistically on a d20 right your average is going to be like 10.5 on a d20 is your average because of their modifier they get to add like a plus two or a plus five or a plus ten and that you know affects the outcome of your Mm -hmm. role they eventually get absurd modifiers where they're almost guaranteed to always have a minimum of 20 the trope that people talk about is the bard walking into a dragon and being like hey dungeon master i'd like to roll to seduce the dragon and the dm's like (laughs) fine, try to seduce this creature that's going to eat you. And then the bard rolls, you know, a, a natural 20, and then he is like above 40 for his role. And so, well, now the dragon's in love with the bard, right? That's the trope. That's the joke. And so <laughs> the players that have played this game for decades make bards, bard sexual. All the bards seduce everybody. It's one of that's the hilarious. things, right? So his performance at the party now makes way more yep. sense to me because I thought that was like, psychotic but i appreciated that it was psychotic i appreciated that they would go there so that fits the trope that makes sense and that's funny that character has i don't know how long the series is going to last i don't know how long it's going to take how much they're going to condense i really hope they don't take out the meaty bits between the relationships of the different characters because several of those two characters of the group end up together where you wouldn't think that they would that character you will probably dislike if you don't if you don't already like him then you're probably going to dislike him like i dislike scanlan but he eventually <laughs> has this arc of redemption and character growth and character development right where he changes he grows he's not a static boring character that's one thing i love about D and critical role specifically that they do a really good job at is their characters aren't static their characters have real development real growth real maturity real change and it makes the story so much more compelling that's, that's true. In in their second campaign, the Mighty Nine, I really dislike Beauregard. I, I thought that, that she was very two-dimensional character, just really boring. And as the episodes have gone on and as you know they've interacted with each other, and, and she's she's become a really well-developed character that I enjoy greatly. Yeah. So let's talk about the production value for this series. I think is fantastic. I was wondering what studio did this. It's Titmouse. Okay. It's the same studio that does the Venture Brothers, which mm-hmm. is another series that I absolutely love. And just looking at between the what they've done with the Venture Brothers and then with this, they have improved their animation abilities tremendously. <laughs> there were some super slick moments. The moment oh, yeah. where the guy, is it Vax or Vox? It's him and his sister. When he's running across all the rocks in the fight with the dragon, you know, that moment of like, that was it had awesome. that awesome, like anime, <laughs> like kind of rubbery projection of the run. I was like, this is sweet. It, it looked yeah. really good. I was blown away by the production quality, by the art quality, the style, the, the palettes that they picked to portray everything. The music um, is fantastic. The oh, music was great. Really? The, the voice acting, of course, is is phenomenal. They do a wonderful job at reprising these characters. And I, I know that it can't be easy to start with 
something that you know you've been doing around your kitchen table and then you're <laughs> and then you're presenting it you know streaming on twitch for everyone to see and comment on and it's like four hour sessions of improv and all this crazy stuff and then trying to condense that into 12 episodes the briarwood arc is so good it's so good <laughs> oh yeah, I, I really like, I think one thing I really like about Critical Role and their storytelling, one of the biggest problems with Dungeons and Dragons uh, is not the mechanics of the game. It's not the storyline of the game. I wouldn't even say one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest challenges, let me rephrase that, is when players join and they want to play this character that has already gone through their trials and their tribulations, that has already passed through fire and brimstone to emerge as the white now, that has already done all of the, the crazy stuff that they need to do to become the superhero, the, the, the fantasy hero that they want to be. And there's no room for growth. And that's level one. They've already done it all. Level one. What? Where's your <laughs> character going to develop? Critical Role very wisely creates these imperfect characters that various members of the audience can all relate to, whether it's through characters they like to play or personality traits they enjoy. And then they develop them and they grow. And there's not a single character at the end of any of their campaigns that is remotely the same as they were in the beginning. They have real growth and it's fantastic. It's a testament to their writing and their acting, their improv as they're, they're having to do this each Thursday you know, where they're, you know, obviously they've written, they've written about it. They've thought through their characters. It's, it's mm -hmm. more than just, you know, improving, but they really grow. And that, that's storytelling pulls you in, I think, combined with the brilliant writing, the brilliant art. Uh, <laughs> I think this is going to be a great season. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for how irreverent it is, to be frank. I was worried it was going to get toned down. My main exposure to Critical Role is their second campaign. I haven't seen any of their first campaign. And then I'm currently also engaged with their third campaign. I didn't expect that it would be toned down, but I was surprised how ramped up it's been as far as yes. <laughs> with, the, <laughs> with the irreverent. <laughs> I, think, I think that was the thing for me when I first started is they just kind of like, we're going for it. We're going to throw up in each other's mouths and say 50 million <laughs> F-bombs. And I was like, well, this sets the tone, you know? But but then, you know, the I love the reveal of the, the guy being the dragon. Like, that's like just... That, David cool. Tennant. That's also, you know... Who I was going to say, like, that's a legit actor. But they, they have. have... They managed to grab some really cool people. It's awesome. And he's just chewing the scenery with that accent. It's fantastic. I love <laughs> that kind of stuff. But then, you know, what what uh, Crispy was talking about, you start to see like, they're going to tap into, okay, it's not just a reverence. They're starting to show in the third episode, this guy's backstory. Where they're going to give the extra layers of what makes each person unique and interesting. And so that actually kind of, you know, I love the splashiness of the first two episodes, but then they kind of grab me a bit with that one. Like, okay, I think I would like to see where this goes and hear their backstories and why they are the way they are and where, where they're going will change them. So I can see how it's not just silliness. There's more depth to it as well. But the silliness kind of slapped me in the face at first. But I got used, I adjusted. I was like, this is the world we're in. I got it. <laughs> Matt Mercer is incredibly talented. Blows my mind uh, all the time. Really, really talented uh, writer and DM and actor. Uh, I, it blew. I, I was watching Critical Role episode or campaign two. And Travis Willingham goes, huh, it's high noon. And I was like, 
Oh, well, that's funny. Oh, Travis didn't do that voice. That wasn't quite like it. And then Matt looks over at him and goes, hey. And I'm like, wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. So then I Googled and I was like, are you kidding me? Matt Mercer is the voice of McCree in Overwatch. And that's like my favorite character. Well, now I'm <laughs> now I'm just stuck with the show until I die. So, you know, uh, it, it, they're awesome. I'm, I'm blown away by the people they're, they're bringing on. I really hope that they are able to pull in. I'm going to butcher his name. Joe Mangianello. Ah, uh, yeah. Who runs the celebrity D&D group in his basement. <laughs> yeah, well, he was in campaign one with them. He he was oh, okay. okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's where he started playing again. They, he was great. He was a guest star that, that was in for a lot of episodes. That's oh, so his fun. character is so cool. Yeah, they have a lot of big name people who have joined them. If you just go to the Critical Role wiki, I mean, they've got uh, Felicia Day, which is kind of the person who got them going, really, in recording is Felicia Day, if you know who she is. Mm-hmm. She invited them to stream on Twitch with Geek, Geek and Sundry, and that's how they kind of started streaming all of this. Oh, they've been playing, they were playing a different RPG, which is an earlier iteration of D&D called Pathfinder, and uh, they were just playing with each other. And then they started the streaming bit, and that turned into Vox Machina. So, to me, as a newbie to this, these are these are voice actors that are friends that have been grinding in the voice acting world that started playing D and D together. That's I mean, amazing. Are, are you are you an anime fan, Doug? A, a, a little, not not that's as, that's not about that's fan, about how I am. I'm I'm a little like here and there every once in a while, specifically only if it deals with Gundams. Um, but uh, <laughs> nice. They all have been in numerous animes. Oh, okay. They've been in numerous movies. They've been in live action roles. Ashley Johnson, to throw it out there, this is one of her, uh, I'm sure she'd be mortified to hear that this is like one of the things, but just to kind of give you an this example. This is the voice of Pike. Yeah, this is the voice of Pike. Okay. She's the waitress in uh, the Avengers that comes out and thanks Captain America and all the people at the very last part of the movie. Nice. Like these are actors who have been grinding and grinding, and that's a minor role that she's had. She's had plenty of great roles too. Uh, not that that wasn't a great role. That's so great. I have a real these are appreciation for like. People. Yeah, I have a real appreciation for like those character actors, those people that always pop up in these variety of like minor roles. So that's really cool to hear. I did not realize that going into this. I did not know that at all about them. I came in pretty cold. So how how did this show come to be then, the, the cartoon that is? Did they have like a Kickstarter or something? What yeah, was the yeah, they had that? a Kickstarter. Yeah, they did a Kickstarter. They wanted to make it. Their goal was pretty small from what I remember. It was like they were, they wanted to pay for, for an episode, right? So they wanted to do one episode like that they could shop around or something or just to be like, we did this. They made Kickstarter history uh, I believe, I, if I remember correctly, they broke several Kickstarter records and wow. not only raised it, but a past raised it to the point where they were like, well, I guess we're making a full-blown series because we've got the budget. And I guess we're working with literally every group that we've ever wanted to because we've got the budget now. And it was a big deal. I mean, there was an episode in Campaign 2 where they'd raised the money and they were talking about it and they got emotional there. Like they were just like, we're blown away by the support of this community. They're critters as they call us. I will include myself in that. Um, <laughs> their critters are their fans and uh, they're very passionate about their fans, which is one thing I think really resonates with the fan base. You're so disconnected from most of your movie stars that you follow, right? And you're so disconnected from all of your actors being that they're in this multimedia space where they interact 
with the players where they show fan art for their break in the middle of every single campaign that players send them, where they tweet back to all of you all the time, where they respond to comments or do Q and A's or meet people. They're so much more available than any other form of, of entertainment that you consume that I think that's one of the reasons that they've had so much success hmm. is they that's feel interesting. like you can, you can actually be friends with them, right? You feel Instead like. Instead of like a separated corporate juggernaut that. Yep merely wants to swipe up intellectual properties and play with them forever. Yep. We talk yep. about that a lot here. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Disney has a penchant for that. <laughs> oh, we might beat Disney. up on Disney from time to time. Like I've said before, I haven't watched any of Vox Machina campaign. And so I'm not very well versed in these characters. I don't know their backgrounds. I don't know anything about them. But in the third episode where Percy is mm -hmm. ready to gun down that servant for the Briarwoods. <laughs> and then oh, yeah. all of a sudden he pulls out this, this mask and there's this black you know, aura that's coming yeah, out, like that? a shadow of a demon. What is going on with that? Do you want spoilers <laughs> or not? It's a big deal. And it's a big part of that character. And it's cool. It is wicked cool. It's one of my favorite. Percy is an incredible character. Taliesin just did an incredible job with this character. I really enjoy his characters. They always have tremendous growth. You were seeing little vestiges, little pieces of something much more insidious and deeper into this character's desire for vengeance and his, the lengths that he's willing to go. So I can spoil if you guys would like. I want to know more about that. Throw it down. So his character... Now, I have not finished campaign one. I got hooked on campaign two when I first joined the Critical, Critical Role fan club. My favorite characters are campaign two, absolutely hands down. Campaign one, my favorite character is 100% Percival DeRolo. Percival, basically, and I want to make sure I get this right, his whole family was slaughtered, uh, which mm -hmm. you was revealed. You guys know yeah, that. that. His was whole family shown, was slaughtered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, he wanders around for a super long time wanting to get uh, just trying to survive. And eventually he is greeted by a entity that offers him the means to revenge. Uh. He, that entity is what taught him how to make the pistol. Those pistols do not exist in this world other than for select few people. And it taught him how to make it. And that pistol... Interruption. He's a gunslinger class. And that's correct. a custom class that Critical Role made... Yeah, so series. when I spoke earlier, I mentioned that they actually <laughs> moved from a different role-playing game to D&D mm &hmm. &D when Felicia Day invited them to stream. And they did that for a bunch of different reasons I won't go into, but a character in that iteration, that game called Pathfinder, there is a gunslinger subclass. And Pathfinder is based off of an older D&D. &D. So that gunslinger, uh, that gunslinger subclass also existed in D&D &D at one point. The current iteration of D&D didn't have it, so he created the whole subclass, recreated it in current D&D so he could play it uh, specifically for that campaign. And that it's awesome. a really cool it's a really cool mechanical oh, that's subclass. That they've <laughs> that's created really a lot really of subclasses. Cool. But what's really interesting about Percy, to go back to his this mm -hmm. backstory, and I'm trying to keep it vague because I think it's one of the coolest say, parts of his character. I don't think you've spoiled anything for me so far. So yeah. keep, keep going. This gun has several chambers, right? You see that it is kind of a pepper box style firearm. Mm -hmm. Each chamber 
has a name engraven upon the barrel. That's awesome. And the gun is called The List. And as he gets his vengeance on those people, the name is erased from the barrel. I don't know where it has picked off yet, but when Percy first meets everyone, he has six barrels. Two of them are blank. And you don't, you, that's all you know. You never find out anything else. It drives me nuts. But two are already blank. I'm not going to say who the names are because that would absolutely spoil some surprises. That would really okay. spoil some surprises. But it is really, 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 really cool. That's, Just remember this that this, this entity is selfish. This entity get something from him doing this vengeance okay just remember I that gonna, i was gonna say i think he wouldn't give this for free and he's exploiting yep. them because he's pissed off and bitter and wants revenge so he exactly. sees an opening to get what he wants so he gives him some power but that kind of story is so awesome to like pepper in to the midst of everything else that's going on that's so cool and that, that also adds a layer of understanding of why <sighs> he's so furious when they get away yeah, when up to that point, he's cool and calm, he's right? He's the chillest one. He's the one that's sane, that's off to the side, like, you guys are idiots. And then suddenly he totally snaps and is more out of control yeah. than any of them. Yeah. Yeah, he. I mean, he watched in the lore. He watched oh, them. I want to watch. Butcher. I want to watch the rest now. <laughs> Just from you talking about this. Percy is such a cool character. Another character that you should keep your eye on, and these are my favorites, so... You can have your own favorites. Each one has development. Another character you should keep your eye on is Vaxeldon, the the half-elf brother. So it's uh, Vexalia and Vaxeldon, okay? Laura Bailey plays Vexalia. And then Liam O'Brien, who's one of my favorite cast members. I actually adore every single one of the cast members. Normally, I like pick favorites. Um, Travis (laughs) is absolutely one of my favorites. But Liam is, is a close, if not tied, favorite liam i just love their characters um he plays vaxeldon that character has a lot of growth a lot of change his class becomes really cool really complicated his storyline becomes really incredible so that's another character that i like in the first campaign if you ever want to do something fun watch the first episode of vox machina on youtube watch if you want to watch the full three hours go for it watch an hour of it watch 10 minutes of it even then go watch the first episode of Critical Role Campaign 2. Then watch Critical Role Campaign 3. And look at how much they've grown as a group in their production quality, in their set design, in, in how much they've been able to grow. And it's really cool to watch, too. That's just a side note that just popped into my head. But you guys will really like Percival. You'll I think you'll like Voxel Don. Scanlan has great growth. He's never my favorite, but he's got great growth. There's another character that's a, a guest character. I don't know if they're going to bring him in. It's still played by Sam Regal. So Sam Regal plays Scanlan, the bard sexual bard. They also have another <laughs> character that's really irritating and kind of tropey, but he's basically a groupie, a fanboy of Vox Machina in the universe. <laughs> and he joins them. And he's his name is uh, Tarion Darrington and the Darrington Brigade. And he's hilarious. He's a riot, and he's played by Sam Regal for a short time, too. Nice. I think you have me more excited right now than the show got me, so. Well, well, that's that, that's something that with the show, it's it's very fast-paced and how they, yes, they move through different things uh, to where I mean, it sounds to me like you, you we get the characters yet. Mm-hmm. Like those first two episodes really are just introductory 
here's this world, is this irreverent slapdash, anything goes kind of thing. Here's this group of misfits that come together. And then the third episode is actually starting to get to the real meat of what we're going to encounter. Yep. And I found that very refreshing. Whereas take something like the book of Boba Fett, incredibly slow, incredibly weirdly paced. Have an opinion about what you're doing. And then to watch the legend of Vox Machina where, Oh, Hey, stuff's already happening. (laughs) This character has an entire monologue song to introduce himself to the King of the kingdom and then begins rapping to himself about how cool Scanlan is like, okay, (laughs) that's all right right now. I mean, that's the thing. That was totally weird. I totally respected it. Because I'm like, this is the world we live in, you know? Mm-hmm. You start with a guy drinking everyone under the table. Someone else picks a bloody fight over nothing. And you're just like, okay, this is this is where we Grog, are. Grog is Grog's an interesting character. There's a fun the story. Where he no smashes one... that dragon was badass. I love that. That was sick. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. There's a really cool, I don't know if it's a true story. That voice actor, Travis Willingham, is married to Laura Bailey, who is the voice actor for... Um, Vexalia, the ranger, gotcha. and they're a super cute couple. They, no one knows how true this story is. It was set on Critical Role, but it could have been just tongue in cheek. At some point in campaign one, Grog, when trying to figure out if a room has traps in it, kicks her pet trinket, that giant armored bear, into <laughs> the room full of traps. And Trinket almost dies. <laughs> the story goes that Laura Bailey was so pissed at Travis in real life that she made him sleep on the couch. That's funny. <laughs> Don't know if it's true, but it's fun. That's how fun they are as a group. She's like, oh, you think in. it's real cute to leave the fate of my bear to some dice. You're on yeah. the couch, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. yep. Oh, yeah. Laura gets very superstitious kind of about her dice. Too. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's got dice jail. I heard that she puts them uh face up twenty as a twenty whenever she puts them down, the highest thing to charge up her critical roles. Um mm-hmm. yeah, she's 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 funny that nice. way. They're they're all a blast. But nice. Well, I will say as a whole, you know, I, I feel like I see like the vibe of the show, the feel of the show. I think I got a decent idea of what the world is like in like three episodes. And they gave me enough to make me want to watch more by sort of introducing this mystery backstory element. So, I mean, I think I didn't know what to do with it at first, but I feel like it was successful. I mean, for me, at least overall, making me want to watch more. It's kind of my opinion of the first three. And that's me going in totally cold, barely knowing anything about D&D and all that. Yeah, it's interesting. Their streams are three to four hours long, Doug. Wow. D&D is a long game. Because of the nature of it, it it takes a while because it's all improv, right? Sure. And so what they're condensing into one 30 minute episode is four hours, probably eight hours. The first episode was like probably eight hours of gameplay condensed into 30 minutes. It's, um, it's amazing to me how hard. popular this is. Like what a niche, it seems like a niche quote unquote interest. That's something that's four hours long. Everybody would stick with and do, but it's just that good. And it just hooks someone that are passionate enough about it just that much. Like, I really yeah. I like that a lot. That's very appealing to me. Thank you for joining us in the dimension of our Midnight Cape. We hope you'll visit us again. From myself, Lumberdor, Beaches, and Doug. 
thank you, and good night. They do a lot of stuff too. They have a nonprofit where they like pay for uh, like art, the arts programs in um, different schools in California and like all over the world. Oh, they, cool. they they and sponsor promoting stuff. tabletop they gaming, promote tabletop gaming. They promote like the arts and acting and and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff in general. They they do a lot of good too. I think I think one of the reasons that they're so popular is that all of them are relatable. And when you watch them play, you're watching a group of actual friends enjoy themselves. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. like addicting to be a part of. You know when it's you, like contagious. You know, yeah. You know when you like go to a party with a buddy and you don't know the rest of his friends, but they're all such good buddies that you get pulled into this friendship before you know it. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. basically what they've done with their entire show is they pull mm-hmm. you into their friendship as a group. It's really compelling, I think. That's um, pretty awesome. So we got to do a D&D show. Okay, oh, I think you one. guys would love it. We got to do at least one. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun. I've had a great time <laughs> with, with picking it up again myself. And I've never played. It's surprisingly fun. It's surprisingly addicting, I will warn you. It is uh, It's fun. We play once a week. Uh, well, unless, you know, real life happens, right? I just had a baby, sure. or I didn't have a baby. My wife just had a baby. So we took a couple weeks off uh, or, you know, Christmas time we take, we don't do it on Christmas. You know, there's sure. real life, right? You don't, you don't mess up real life for it, but uh, man, it's fun. Like I'm already planning our next campaign, campaign three. And this one I'm going all out where I decided instead of keeping it in the universe of D and want to make my own. I want to flex my creativity and see, see what I can nice. make up. It's really, this is kind of, I, I used to be a really creative kid and I was in theater and acting and, and uh-huh. I did a lot of uh, model making and uh, okay. art and all sorts of stuff. I just loved it. And then I let go of it at one point. I just grew up, so to speak, and got into business and got into the real world and kind of let go of my creativity and, it, and I suffered for it. But this has reignited my creativity to a level that has made me feel invigorated in a lot of uh, my professional mm-hmm. aspects, my family aspects. Like It's like brought energy to me again. It's, it's really fun. But I would love to do That's a session awesome. for you guys. I love, I think I like love this quote from uh, Al Hirschfeld, you know, famous caricaturist, where he mm-hmm. said, all kids draw, I just never stopped. That's how he explained yeah. his career. And I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the more I draw, the better I feel. <laughs>